just past 7 o'clock, and we are ready to rock on a Monday night. It's a jam-packed Iron Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira not in the studio with us, unfortunately. Should be back next week. But Ira, man, what a weekend. And I don't care if you aren't even a golf. You know, f- football was great. But you could not even be a golf fan and have enjoyed that. Just the patriotism, the beauty of whistling straights. What an amazing uh, home run that the Ryder Cup was. Everything about the Ryder Cup is a home run, except that it was on Saturday and Sunday when NFL action is going on. As I said, I don't know why they don't play this in August. Uh, it is such a tremendous event. You have the best golfers in the world. The President's Cup is not doesn't have the appeal that the Ryder Cup has because we don't know some of the international golfers, but you have all the big names from Europe versus, of course, all the big games from America. And, you know, people thought what would happen when Tiger is, is, no, is not in the picture, not even as a captain. Still, the excitement, the names now, these other American players have, have forged their own identity uh, and the competition and the team and the fans, you can see what they're into it. What a great event. And I feel bad they do it just once every two years. I wish it was every year and get maybe get rid of the president's cup but uh it was uh, it was great to watch loved it riveting friday riveting saturday sunday was sort of anticlimactic but boy i had everything going tvs and this and then the, the computers keeping track of everything it, you know it was great and it's actually going to be in new york at beth page black in 2025 so like me and my friends are already pl- planning a trip because of how cool that this event was i agree with you though and you said it on this show if you do have to do it during football season on a Saturday and Sunday, why didn't they start at 9 a.m. or start at 10 a.m.? Try to draw all the fans in because it it was a great match. I'm not going to watch the 1 o'clock football games. I'm going to keep watching the Ryder Cup and see what happens. Yeah, I just think they got to put... They they can take an event out in August. I mean, there is... They should do this. I really think this should be played so everybody can watch and not go against football. It's a big mistake. Uh, It was so exciting. People... It is now... Even more, when I, I remember I think like 10, 12 years ago, I wasn't like tuned into the Riders Cup like I am now. Like, this is such a big event. And I, I think, you know, take two weeks of events out and put the Ryder Cup there, build it up. It's, it's like a major. And I just feel like, again, it's lost because there are so many fans that are sports fans in terms of football. And you just to go head to head on a Sunday with football and Saturday with college football doesn't make sense. And then to start on Sunday, the signals at 12 o'clock. Ridiculous! Why don't you start it earlier? Because suddenly the single started. They could have started at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Let it, and then have the enthusiasm go up until till twelve or one o'clock when football starts. I have no idea. It's like well, let's compete against football directly at one o'clock. No, yeah, and that's what just made no sense to me. There's nothing wrong. Even ten o'clock that gives you three hours. You could basically fit in. You know, someone's whole round is going to be played, and if it's a close match on Sunday, it's going to draw you in more than it'd be literally them just starting. Um, after 12, rookies played phenomenal. All of our rookies, only um, only Harris English uh, took a loss. Everyone else was uh, wins or ties, so they were phenomenal. Let's take it back, though, to uh, Friday and how this whole thing got started. Well, the one thing is that for years and years and years, the U.S. dominated. They always played Great Britain. And that was Great Britain and Ireland from like 23 to 77. And they said, this is really not a joke. You have all these great European golfers. You've got to bring them in. So from 79 on, they brought the Europeans on. First three, USA won. They actually played the 1983 Ryder Cup in TJ National, which is amazing. That was right there in 1983. But since 1985, the Europe's record is 5-11 and 1. I mean, America's record is 5-11 and 1. Europe has now won before this, won four of the last five. And in 2018, Europe won 17 and a half to 10 and a half. And one of the big reasons is that the star play American players like Tiger, who's either the first or second best player of all time, his record in the Ryder Cup is 13 
19 wins, 21 losses, and three ties. And in, in the foursomes and four balls, he's four, nine, and five, and 10. And Phil's record is maybe a little bit better. He's 18, 22, and seven. So the point is the two main American golfers, it, because this doesn't fit the format that they like. When Tiger misses a shot, he likes to. He knows where he's going to miss it. Yeah. So his misses are like they say. Well, it hits it in the water. Well, Tiger rarely hits it in the water. But if he does miss a shot, it's usually well. That's where I thought I would miss it. He likes to play his own ball. It's hard for these golfers to be. It's such an individualistic for Tiger. And now he's older now. Maybe better as he. As, you know, this time. But I think when he was younger, he just he couldn't work as a team. It was hard for him to play as a team, and I think that's what hurt him. And I think when Tiger kept losing, I think it hurt the American team because they get, they saw Tiger getting blown out, and it was hard for the rest of the team to say, "Oh, we got to pick it up for Tiger." When they realized that Tiger, well, did just win three majors and he won eight tournaments, and it was just hard for them to compete. And I think that's what happened. Uh, Nicholas, by the way, in the Ryder Cup was sixteen, eight, and three, and someone like Sergio Garcia had twenty-two wins 12 losses seven so Sergio's record is tremendous you know Sergio's good and, and they they've got their specialists you know like Ian Poulter who not you know not a great golfer on the tour at, uh, at this point but he's really good at Ryder Cup and these kind of events so it made sense why they've been beating us especially with yeah us kind of you know coming together maybe having rumored to have that more individualistic attitude you know every man for himself type of thing this team was not it at all they played great together and I think a lot, and I look, I'm going to say it again, say it here. I, thought, I criticized Scott Stricker, the, the, co- the captain, the entire time. I criticized him up until, like, middle afternoon on Saturday. I'm wrong. Totally wrong. 100% wrong. Stricker figured it out. He knew what to do. Every button he pushed worked. And I think one of the things was he really got the team thing down, and that's knowing the players. And i got to give him credit. In 2017, he coached many of these guys in the President's Cup. And they won 1911. And I think he just had a sense. And I think that's the mistake. Like, when, you, when they put Tiger and Phil together in one of the Ryder Cups, like, that was the dumbest pairing in history of pairs. You don't put Tiger and Phil together. Like, you have to put in this thing with a compliment. Remember, and just real quick about how the, so many people were texting me, calling me, emailing me. I don't understand the rules. Well, they play in the morning for uh, uh, four soaps, which means that they play one ball and, and uh, one, and so say, speed hits the ball. And then Thomas then hits the next ball, and Spieth hits the next ball. You play just one ball. That's it, out there. And that's difficult because when, if someone has a bad tee shot, then you're going to have to play the bad tee shot. And that's, the, that's difficult. I mean, Tiger was awful in that type of form. But then in the afternoon, they played foursomes where you would just play your ball, who is the best scorer that uh, the whole win. You know, we running score. This was the best in the whole. And again, I think America many times had like, you couldn't pair Phil with like Bryson. Would be the worst pairing in the world because they both are like aggressive and wild. And you really need someone who's consistent and then pair him with someone who is, who's going to probably get the Eagles and the birdies and they're securely play your ball. And I think for so many years, America just did not put the right team together. They just didn't think in how this was put together. And this time, Stricker gave him credit. He made a, some brilliant moves. And the one was, what do you do with Bryson DeSembra? You know, nobody knew what to do with him. Who's going to play with him? He's slow. He causes problems. You put the look, Scotty Scheffler in, who I didn't think he deserved to be in over Phil Mickelson or Patrick Reed. You put him in, and, and you said, we're going to play in the afternoon. Scotty's going to play his shots. Bryson is going to be the crazy person. Scotty's going to be consistent. And it worked. I mean, Scotty They were great together. Won and tied. And then when he went against Rom on Sunday, he beat Rom. So it was a perfect move. But I think it was perfect. The thing was that you only played Bryson in the, in the four, four, four stums, I mean, the four balls, 
where he actually played his own ball. And so when he's in the water, Mickey, like Scotty didn't feel extra pressure. And Scotty's not going to be mad that Bryson took forever. It, this is, he should be on the team, really. That's why it was a perfect move, a brilliant move by Stricker. I was totally wrong. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. That was a, a perfect pairing. I I, you, I don't know if there's someone on tour who would have been better with Bryson than Scheffler, let alone of just the 12 guys there. So yeah, great job by him. I, I do think dropping the ball was just NBC and the broadcast in general. I, I was not a fan. They didn't explain the rules very well. They A lot of the camera angles were poor. It just That was the worst part of it for me, Iron. That's unfortunate. Also, I had to sit here with a computer. And then when the football started, I'm watching golf on the TV, and then one of my computers had to keep track of the scores. They didn't put, all you saw was the total, like, how many points America had, how many points Europe had. But they flipped to, like, Fleetwood match or whatever. They didn't say what the score, yeah. I don't know what hole they were on. I, first of all, didn't know what hole they were on. They didn't want the score, who was up, who was down, who was this, who was that. It was the worst coverage. I, like, it's like watching a football game tonight. You're going to watch the Dallas Cowboys, one of you. They're not going to have the score up. Or the time. Or the or clock, the yeah. Like, <laughs> when you have a TV and it gets cut off on the bottom, every time you go to someone's house and they have it like timed the thing right, and they're like, oh, I've had this TV for two years, and, and it's great. I go, I can't see the score. It's cut off on the bottom of the screen. You can't watch the game like that. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And, like, yeah, you're waiting for – they would keep showing all of the scores at once. And it's hard to remember. You know, it, you're looking at six different – Scores sometimes. It was just hard to remember. They they, they dropped the ball. But let's go back to uh, let's go back to Friday morning, and this is where the USA jumped out pretty well. Yeah, well, they started John Rahm, Sergio Garcia. That's the Europe's strongest team. They win three one over Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. Um, Rahm won five of the first ten holes. Spieth and Thomas of the two big name American golfers, just, you know, they played average for, uh, for they, didn't, they were not the ones who carried the American team. I'm going to say they did terrible, but they weren't the ones who carried, but that was a good win for, for Europe, but then it was a disaster afterwards. It's Dustin Johnson, who was 5-0, and oh, he won his, every, every time we had a partner on Saturday and Sunday, Friday and Saturday, and by himself singles, and Morikawa, Colin Morikawa, they won 3-2 three and two, three and two over Casey and Hobble, and they led the entire time. It was interesting, a lot of these, America would get out to a lead and just just keep it there. And they, the interesting pairing was Brooke Kepka and Daniel Berger. They're both Florida State graduates. Um, they know each other. They're friends. They live here in Palm Beach Gardens close to each other. But they won 2-1 and one over uh, Lee Westwood and Matthew Fitzpatrick. They took a two-hole lead and then just sort of, like, coasted there. And Patrick Canelay, who has been probably one of the, arguably the hottest golfers in the last two months, they put him with a game of who won the U.S. Open, I mean, the uh, Olympics. And they won five and three over Rory, Neath, and Poulter. And that's the one thing. Now, as much as we'd say about Thomas or Speed, how they played, Rory was just a mess the entire time. He's someone who really, besides Rom, they needed another European golfer to step up and, like, sort of, look, I'm going to win all my matches. And Rory just couldn't deliver. And, and, and to lose, I mean, he was, they were, t- they were, Kelly and Shoffley won the first five holes, and this match was over uh, uh, very early. So, one of the, one of my other, um, <laughs> fails or disappointing things was Patrick Cantlay not wearing a hat I don't know why Ira it was so distracting seeing a professional it's like when you see them wear shorts like in in practice rounds it's like who is this like it just doesn't look right him not wearing a hat really threw me off but uh, let's go to the afternoon I I, I didn't even recognize him sometimes they showed him and I'm like you you watch these golfers so many times and you never see them because of endorsements and advertising you never see them like they're in their contracts they're required like if we're such if you're shown on camera it's an interview inside outside whatever you always have to have that cap on and I agree. It was just so weird that he didn't have his hat on. I noticed the hats, too. Yeah, like, it could be a commercial for Buick, but they're wearing their tailor-made hat in the commercial. You never see these guys without hats. It was just weird. Uh, let's talk about the afternoon. 
Well, in the afternoon, that's the criticism that you got a lot for, for uh, Padre Harrington. We had on our show, they said, look, you already had Sergio and Rom. They both did amazing. Why don't you bring them out again? But he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He breaks them up. And so Dustin Johnson and Shoffley, they went two and one over. Now, that was the other criticism Harrington had. He had, we had him on our show. He's had nine automatic picks, three captain's picks. America was six picks automatic, six captain's picks. What does that mean is that, that Europe was using numbers back from 2019. Like, the, 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 the scoring system made no sense. So uh, someone like Wiesenberger, who was their worst player, shouldn't even been on the team as an automatic selection. But they, the way Europe calculated, it's like you really want the golfers that are playing well in the past year. You don't want to have to go all the way back and sort of wait it. And that's what – so they got some of the wrong players. But uh, in this match, USA went for five of the first holes. And then you had the match everyone was waiting for is Bryson and Scotty Scheffler against Rahm and Hatton. And Bryson was just booming. <laughs> 417-yard drive, 400-yard drives, and Rahm was just in there. You know, he was out driving Rahm, which is so funny because Rahm was one of the biggest drivers on the tour, but it was, wasn't even close. And uh, on 17, Hatton just misses. <laughs> I thought, this is my other comment. If Terrell Hatton... Uh, misses the front, if, if from the European team. If he misses a shot, or misses a putt, don't be near him. Like you notice, <laughs> he, he looks like he's going to take a swing at that club and hit anyone who's missed. But uh, but then on 18, I was really mad because on 18, Bryson and Sheffield, all they did was have the hole and they would win. So, but Bryson then hits the ball like in the water and. Scheffler didn't have a good hole. They missed the green, and Hatton sank a putt, and that forced a tie, so they got a half a point. But I, that was another one. It was one of the weird things that you're like, oh, Bryson, just, just play it consistently, and you got the full point. They were up one going to 18, and he blew it. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. I, the Hatton, the Hatton, uh, I don't like. I don't want to call them meltdowns, but yeah, he was like violent. I, I don't watch him that much on tour. I don't know if he's like this every Sunday or he was just a little extra fired up. I enjoyed watching him and Lowry because of the the explosiveness of the two of them, and I thought that that was probably their most exciting group. <laughs> it was, and, and then just to finish it out on on, on Friday was that Finau in English won four and three over Rory and, and Lowry. And this is the first time ever that Rory lost two matches a day. And, and we mentioned this, not even competitive. He had no birdies yeah. the entire round. Lowry, Shane Lowry was carrying Rory McIlroy. That Rory McIlroy a few years ago, you know, was number one golfer in the world. People thought was going to challenge Tiger's record. It was a challenge. I mean, Rory just was not in this at all. And then Cantillay and Thomas tied the last group against Bleewood and Hovland. Uh, Thomas didn't play well. Cantillay played really, really good. USA was down three holes uh, with three holes to go and actually came back and got a tie, so that was really good. But at the end of the day, you played eight matches. U.S. was up 6-2, just lead in 46 years. So that was a huge start for them in terms of Friday. Remember, they only played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, they were up 6-2. You're listening to Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, 720, just about an hour away from kickoff, Philly and Dallas. All right, let's take it to uh, Saturday, Ira, because uh, USA was not letting off the gas. Well, that the most exciting was Brooks and Berger versus Garcia and Rom, and so that they brought Garcia and Rom back. And Brooks goes up three three holes at three you know three holes. They had won the first three holes, but then Sergio started making putts on eight, putts on nine to tie the match. Kepka was making. I mean, this was the most exciting. I mean, Sergio and Rom were just hitting amazing shots. Brooks was making great shots. I think Berger wasn't playing well. Like, it seemed like um, Brooks will never criticize Bro- Berger on this, but it looks like Brooks was just, like, competing against Sergio and Rob. Like, he had to, like, hit perfect shot after perfect shot. And on 15, 
Berger hit his ball in a drainage canal. Brooks comes over to Jack. They bring two officials over, and Brooks is like, look, I have to hit. I'm going to hit my wrist. I'm, like, texting my friends who play golf all the time. Like, what happened? And then he yelled at the official. He goes, if I break my wrist, this is on you uh, because I, I can't, I mean, there's a drainage thing in there. I thought it was really interesting. In fact, that these, uh, the rules officials are all European. That's the one thing. You're, like, you're sort of not the favorite in terms of how they were. He goes, didn't you watch what happened two weeks ago or three weeks ago when I hurt my wrist? And the guy goes, yeah, I watched it. He goes, what's going to happen again? Um, but uh, they ended up uh, tying the hole, and Europe ended up winning that match three and one. But then the rest of the day, then uh, Thomas and Spieth beat Wiesenberger and Hovland, and uh, they, they won two and one. And then uh, that, in that match, what happened is that uh, Wiesenberger <laughs> didn't concede a putt. That's the other weird thing about this. Yeah, that was very weird. Not conceding a putt, and, 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 and Thomas is like saying, well, you should have conceded, but it fired him up. Because after they didn't do it, they won the 14th hole, the 15th hole, and the 16th hole. It just sort of got them all, you know, all the juices flowing. So I think it's great. Maybe that was something they were looking for some motivation. And then D. Justin Johnson again, and Morikawa came back this day against Casey and Hanson. Johnson is phenomenal. They won the first five of the first seven holes. They were cruising, and uh, and they and they ended up winning two and one. But uh, when Hatton misses the easy putt on fifteen, and the crowd goes nuts, that was another one. Hatton was gonna—he <laughs> was gonna hit somebody with that golf club. Like there was gonna be someone put there. And then the final one was Kelly and Shoffley versus uh, Westwood and Fitzpatrick. And USA was down by one, but then they won like five straight holes. Shoffley was putting well. I mean, I love this group because Shoffley and Kinley are both great putters, and they're just sick at every putt, and, uh, and they ended up winning. So after that, they were up after, um, after um, the morning session. They're up 9-3. You know, Remember, you only need to get 14 and a half to win, so they're up uh, and uh, dominating the par fives. They were at, I had a stat here with them. They were 17-3 and three on par fives. It wasn't even close. So then it really was going to be what could happen in the afternoon. And it, it almost like Europe needed to go 4-0 in the afternoon to even just make it a, like a 9-7 going into Sunday. So, Ira, you had me cracking up on my, speaking of the conceded putts, I was on my couch and you texted me, I would never concede putts. <laughs> that was so funny. You play it well, against Ira in a competition, you put everything. I'm sorry if I remember who didn't win this. They were giving a award for the most... I don't know. It's called concession because years ago Nicholas was against Jacqueline, and it was like the last putt, and they and they uh, and Nicholas conceded the putt to Jacqueline on the final hole to allow it to be a tie. But because the U.S. then was a tie, the U.S. retained the cup. So really, it was a great concession. And Nicholas is great to understand all those things. But the point is that, and then they made the golf course concession after that. So now they're giving this award <laughs> who's the most sportsmanship. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Do you want to win the award? Just concede every time when you walk around the tour. But the one thing about the conceding the putts are is that is that you can see putts throughout the whole round, and then when it gets close at the end, then you make a putt it out. But I didn't see that really going on that much anyway, so I was hoping that you know that was the case. <laughs> but uh, do you want me to just jump to the afternoon foursomes? They won. Europe only went two and two. Uh, Kepka and Spieth were against Ram and Garcia. And, uh, and again, um, Rom beat Kepka. I mean, Kepka said, look, Rom's playing great. And it, this is one of those things where you're watching Rom play before Sunday. They're like, this is like Kevin Durant in the Olympics. Like, Rom is the, they kept saying, number one golfer in the world, number one golfer in the world. Yeah, he was the number one. He played great. And Rom was just, this putts on 16. I mean, there were holes where, like, he was ready to lose the hole, just to tie the hole. He would hit these 20-foot putts and 21-foot putts. Just amazing. I just love watching Rom play. Um, and then uh, Finau English be, uh, lost to, uh, to Lowry and Hatton. This was one where Lowry on 17, Shane Lowry. Uh, Huge first of all, Hatton on 
What? Go ahead. No, you said monster putt. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, latching on, hatching on 14, sank a 30-foot putt and went crazy. And then Lowry on 17 hit this long putt, and he was just going nuts, screaming and yelling. And that was exciting because uh, whatever. But then Bryson and, and Scheffler versus against Fleetwood and Hovland in the uh, – uh, at the end, and uh, and they won again. They won that. It was it was unbelievable. And uh, DJ Morikawa uh, again destroyed McIlroy and Poltner. They won every match. Dustin Johnson was in they, the first four eight holes. They won. They won first four of the first eight holes. They were three up. And so you go into Sunday, and and the score was uh, 11, 11, to, 11 to four, go, eleven to eleven to three going into Sunday. Yeah, and it was a little. Anticlimactic, for lack of a better word. I would have liked, you know, of course, I wanted the USA to win badly. Um, you know, we, we had a rough go in, in Ryder Cup lately, so I was happy about it, but I wanted it to be a little bit tighter. But unfortunately, you know, America had that big lead, and uh, it wasn't going to be easy for, for, Euro- for Europe on uh, Sunday. Yeah, well, 11 to 6. I'm, I'm, I'm adding my numbers flying around all over the place, but 11 to 6. Um, and Rory finally on Sunday did well. He started out, remember, they, everybody plays on Sunday. They do a, a draw out where it's like pick, a, pick sides on a team. So Rory went against uh, uh, Shoffley. I, I was surprised Shoffley couldn't catch up to him. Rory had a chance to actually win the match with three to go. But uh, then Canley uh, uh, beat Lowry. And uh, but the thing was Scheffler and Rom. I mean, Scheffler got off to a four he, four four hole lead after four, and Rom battled back. But I was just amazed that Scheffler. I mean, he helped hold a four foot putt on fifteen and won four and three. It wasn't even close. And I think that, of course, that was that was the end of it. And then the exciting match was Bryson versus Sergio Garcia. And uh, I mean, everyone's there hitting Bryson's hitting eagles, uh, Sergio's hitting eagles. I mean, it was a great shots both ways. But Bryson ends up winning that, wins three and two to get to fourteen points. And then uh, when Morikawa tied Hoblin, that was the final point to get. I mean, Dustin Johnson beat Casey and, uh, and Brooks then uh, uh, two and two over Weisberger. And it was really the Morikawa point that took him to 14 and a half. But uh, Justin Thomas beat Hatton. And there were three matches at the end in terms of Berger be his, won his match, Spieth and Fleetwood tied, and Westwood beat English. But, and the United States ended up winning 19-9. You only need 14 and a half to win. And uh, and Dustin Johnson five and zero, Colin Marikawa is three and zero and one, Bryson two zero and one, Brooks is two and two, two losses to Rom. But I think what happened on the European side, Fleetwood didn't win, Hovland didn't win, Mitsotrakis zero and two, Casey zero and four. I mean, besides Rom and Garcia, nobody had more than one win. <laughs> so it's really hard to have two people carry the entire uh, entire group. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, they just didn't have enough firepower. It's 728, Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, Mike Balsamo here with you as well. Let's switch over to the NFL, and Ira, we got another great weekend. Uh, there was some games that were a little lackluster, but all in all, phenomenal Sunday um, of, of, uh, of games. Let's take it to the Dolphins and Raiders, and this is one... You know, Raiders are undefeated now. I still don't really know how good they are. They beat the, uh, they beat the Dolphins 31-28. Dolphins had some chances to win this game, though. Look, when you have a player for the Dolphins in Waddle on my fantasy team, and my quarterback is Derek Carr for the Raiders, I'm watching this game ever more intently how it's supposed to go. And But the story of this game has to be Jacoby Brissett. Starting for Tua, looked at the beginning of the game, whatever, but they were up 14-0 and on an on a 85-yard pick six from, from Derek Carr. But uh, it was – but the Zay Jones for the Raiders, he downs the ball in the one, then they were able to – to, for the Raiders were able to put Waddle for a safety in the end zone. And Vegas scores 25 out of answer points. 
to now it's 25-4. You, know, you think it's over, 25-14. And, uh, but, it, but it's a way where uh, Miami just fought back. On a, they had that drive at the end. They converted a fourth and 40. That became a fourth and 48 where Brissette threw it to Parker. And then he threw it to Gisecki in the end zone. Per, it was a personal, like a pass interference. And then on first and goal, they don't get it. Second and goal, third and goal. Finally, on fourth and goal, Brissette runs it in. And then they get the two-point conversion and sends it to overtime. But what a comeback. From, I just love that from the Dolphins. And, and, you know, people are now saying, like, Brissett played great. Like, that's what they were looking to see. Someone who, I mean, Brissett is a tough quarterback. Like, he gets, there were some plays where he got hit two or three times, like Ben Rotzenberger when he was younger. And it just it didn't go down. Just stayed in there and just completed the pass. Speaking of Ben Roethlisberger, let's talk about that game. Not not what the Steelers wanted here, getting uh, beat by by two scores, 24-10 versus the Bengals. Really banged up a lot of uh, the Pittsburgh team, so I'm going to give them a little bit of a bye. Basically, the entire wide receiving core is out, a lot of players on defense, but Big Ben did not look good, Ira. And, I mean, I know it's not Mason Rudolph time, and it should never be again, but there's got to be something they can do here. No, I mean, the Steelers' mistake was drafting Mason in the first place. Everyone's <laughs> on my case. I, I, ben has given me so much joy over the show and never called for his removal. I mean, it's clearly probably his last year, but I, I, I love Ben. I mean, I, this is not objective this way, but there is actually nobody else the Steelers could turn to. What are they going to Nick Foles? It's a, it's a situation where the Steelers were, and it's hard, all these teams deal with it, and, and they wanted to ride Ben longer, and I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I support it. I might be the only person alive in the world that says that, besides Ben and his family, but in the end, I still love Ben, and, and I'm going to go down the ship with him. I love watching him play, and uh, he has brought me for you know, a decade and a half so many great games and so many two Super Bowl wins, another Super Bowl, uh, just I just wasn't ready to see it. But it was tough. I mean, they were missing their two defensive linemen, Alalo and it. They're missing T.J. Watt, Al Tysmith at linebackers. It was the first game in 76 games at Steelers, so they had a sack. Um, they, they, they actually ran 77 plays to Cincinnati's 42. First down is 21 to 12. But the offensive line is a disaster. All five Pittsburgh offensive line starters drew a flag uh, drew a flag in the first half, <laughs> and then two of the two of them left with injuries. Uh, but the Steelers' first three possessions in our set, you know, the three plays, and they lost 13 yards. Interception, and then 29 yards. And uh, but it was like they were in the game, but then they, they gave up a touchdown to Chase. So, uh, we talked about Chase, Jamar Chase, being drafted by Cincinnati, and his connection with Burrow because they played college at, at, at LSU together. And those, and I'm on my fantasy team, so I'm watching this really intently. And you're seeing him, and it was just like he went back right before the end of the first half. And, and, you, and I was reading that, and I said, I told Burrow, I go, look, I, I, this, I can score on this one play, just throw it out there. He did, and it was a 50 yard touchdown pass. But uh, Ben ended up throwing 58 times, 38 for 58, and 90 yards. <laughs> he had 14 catches on 19 targets for 100 yards. That's for a running back. It just is like Ben, he could throw the ball down the field because every time he's like goes back, they're going to sack him. So he throws it to Harris with Claypool with nine catches. And uh, look, if the Steelers are one and two, the fresh schedule is really tough. It's the first time since 2003 they've now lost two home games back-to-back. And that's the first time. That last time is when they were actually didn't make them, uh, had a losing record. So this is the one and two going to Green Bay next week, and the schedule is going to get easier after that. Like, this year could be bad for the Steelers. And they might need it to be because they might need to draft high to, to grab a quarterback <laughs> here. <laughs> um, so, Ira, if I told you a month ago that after week three, the Chiefs would be in last place in their division, what would you have told me? Because <laughs> that's I where would, they sit. I would not have believed you. I know, crazy. 30 to, 30 to 24, beat by Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And it was 
and, and so the, it came, the Chargers were up 14 nothing earlier, and then at 24-21, the Chargers go a field goal to tie, giving on, on fourth and goal on the six-yard line at Kansas City. So I thought that was stupid. Like, you're going to give Patrick Mahomes yeah. two minutes to, for a tie score, game's over. I almost, like, didn't think of it. But then he threw, this is the second, you know, throws another, like, interception where he tried to throw it to Kelsey, and he's, like, running to the right. He just throws the ball up there, intercepted, and then the Chargers go down, and it's fourth and four in the third. Now, they didn't know no faith in their kicker at all. But on fourth and nine at 35, they actually go for it to try to kick a field goal. There's pass interference, and then he throws a touchdown. Justin Herbert throws a touchdown to Mike Williams. And I remember earlier the week where Keyshawn Johnson said something about big quarterbacks. And he said, I, they asked him, do you like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, or Justin Herbert? He goes, I like Justin Herbert. He goes, well, why? He goes, because he's tall. I see where the ball's coming. And I hadn't really heard that from these from the wide receivers, but Keyshawn's a tall guy, and Herbert's like, he said, I like taller quarterbacks. And when you saw this play where Williams is like 6'7", Herbert's like 6'6", when you saw them throw that touchdown, it was like they, everyone else was small. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, they were, they were just, they were like a, look like a foot smaller, and it's like they're just playing catch. Like, two grown adults playing, like, basketball one-on-one against, or two-on-two against, like, uh, little kids. And that seemed like it was. But Herbert, another amazing game. Four touchdowns, only one sack, 300 yards. And my question to you is, is Patrick Mahomes turning a little into Brett Favre? Now, he was not like this. Like, Aaron Rodgers, as he gets aggressive, and it turns, it makes fewer and fewer interceptions. Patrick Mahomes never used to throw interceptions, but now he seems to be throwing two interceptions every game. Is he turning almost like, I made every play, I could do whatever, I could throw my back foot, my front foot, and I could throw anywhere I want, and now he's throwing these interceptions. Is he little, turning into a little Brett Favre? It, it's not a good sign, you know what I mean? And it's really, you know, it's obviously it goes the other way, typically. You throw the, rece- the interceptions early in your career, and then you start to work that out as you get smarter. Maybe it is ego, I, and then he just thinks like how Brett Favre was. Like, I'm going to win the game on every throw. First quarter, I'm winning the game right now. You know, and that is that is how he approaches the game, and he's just getting a little a little lazy, maybe. Right, and that was what's something that wasn't. I mean, he's, he clearly likes to run. He clearly goes through it and does everything, and his arm strength is amazing. I just, that pass, I mean, again, they, they've had two weeks in a row where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbles the ball with a chance, and now this game. So, they, I mean, they should really be 3-0, and but they made two mistakes at the end of the game, and now it cost them, and uh, it's just a question. And their defense is terrible. So, again, their, their defense can't stop anything. They're as bad as they were in the Super Bowl. They haven't improved at all. And, uh, and now their offense is making mistakes at the end of the game where they haven't. Now, do I still think they're going to be in the Super Bowl? Yes. But the point is, I do think they have to get this together. And, and, I, and I was, Mahomes' pass, when I saw that, I'm like, wow. Like, where was that going to? And it, just was a, it was like Kelsey was running, and there was four, um, there was, there was four people, um, four defensive backs around him, just trying to lop it in there. And now you see the Chiefs are signing Josh Gordon, who has been suspended more times than Steve Howe, who if anybody knows, look at Steve Howe being suspended in baseball like ten times. But they're signing Josh <laughs> Gordon, uh, who hasn't played in, what, how many years <laughs> in the, to, as a wide receiver? Four years, maybe, it's been. And even then, it, I think his, his good season with Cleveland was like seven years ago. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. I mean, that's desperation. I mean, that's when the Yankees signed Steve Howe. You knew it was desperate. You know, when the guy's been suspended <laughs> seven times, the Yankees signed him, and the better brings him in. And, and uh, I just think that that sounds like everyone kept saying, oh, they have a great guy, but Hardman, all these great young wide receivers for the Chiefs. Anybody can catch balls, but they haven't been like that. It was a, a bad loss, the one and two. And, uh, again, the season's long, but it's just like, is this going to – the more thing is, is this going to be something that Mahomes is going to be doing throughout the year? Is he going to throw for 15 interceptions? Is he going to become more of, like, throwing a number of 
interceptions, which which is going to hurt the, the Chiefs because their defense isn't going to stop anybody. So let's move on to the night game. And boy, Ira, we got a treat um, here with the Rams in Tampa Bay. Rams won 34-24, and they did about everything perfect in that game. I mean, Tampa didn't look bad, and they still lost by 10. Rams just did everything right. Well, I mean, Tampa's going to face this. The people who thought that Tampa was going to go through this season undefeated is were ridiculous. It's so hard. First of all, it's 17 games extra. But the point is, Brady threw for 432 yards a touchdown. This is like the ninth time he's ever thrown for 400 yards, and it's the first time he's ever lost a game with a touchdown, and he, and he, and he lost. But it, it wasn't his fault. The, 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 the Tampa's defense last year, what they did the Super Bowl was amazing. With the run, when they, this is a team that they shut down Aaron Rodgers to the championship game. They shut down Patrick Mahomes. But, boy, something. They are not. They've had injuries, I understand, but they'll get it together. But that, their defense has been terrible. And Matthew Stafford, Chuck Bendis, Sean McVay called a great game for a coach. And Cooper Cup, great wide receiver for the Rams. They're playing at home. This was everything to them. Uh, it was, as someone as Colin Coward said today, it was the biggest football game in Los Angeles in, in years and whatever. And it was like, but a great move. I mean, bringing Stafford to L.A. was perfect and everything. All the, And then there was a factor that Tampa's looking to New England the following week. But uh, they were up 31-14, and you just, you just didn't think like Tampa could come back. And, and every big play, uh, whatever, whatever Tampa did, the Rams were able to match and then some. So we've seen the rookie quarterbacks coming out, all of them playing pretty poorly so far uh, in their career, as to be expected. You see the different game plans, though. Like, with Trevor Lawrence, they're letting him make every throw. There's no no restrictions. And he's making some. He's throwing a lot of picks as well. Zach Wilson, they are, you know, they're letting him do whatever he wants. Mac Jones, much more regarded. They'd be kind of easing him into it. They opened up the playbook this week, three picks. What was the game plan with Justin Fields yesterday? I, Matt Nagy supposed to be an offensive guy. That was terrible, Ira. They looked like they had no idea what to do with him. They had 114 total yards. 114 well, yards. It was really bad. Yeah, well, Matt Nagy's problem is that they drafted Mitch Trubisky a few years ago, and Mitch Trubisky is now the backup for Josh Allen in Buffalo. He totally flamed out as, a, as one of the top picks in the draft, and they're saying it's Trubisky. Now they have Fields, and he has, one of the, he has a Mitch Trubisky type of game. Six for 20, 68 yards, and nine sacks, 67 yards. Miles Garrett has four and a half sacks. I'm sure if Cleveland, if we're Miles Garrett, you're like, can we please play Chicago every single game? <laughs> all-time record of all time. Not only did they have four and a half sacks, Fields was hit 15 times, six by Garrett and five by Clowney. This is just unbelievable. I mean, they had uh, um, uh, 47 total yards. The Browns had 418, and you gave me this stat. They had one net passing yards versus 203 for the Browns. Uh, just one of those horrendous games, one of the worst offensive performances in the history of the league. Justin Tucker's field goal was almost as far as how many yards they put up. Uh, speaking of that, what an ending to a game with the Ravens and the Lions. This was just a game for, for the record books, literally. And Ira, the Lions, they're not going to win that many games, but it seems like they play hard. And like, you just you almost feel bad for Detroit as Justin Tucker put one through uh, from a new record 66 as, as clock expired. I mean, look, I've seen Lamar Jackson make some crazy plays or whatever. They were down. They went back and forth. I mean, first of all, the Ravens didn't play well. The Ravens had their issues. They have issues. They just did. I was watching lots of the game. But the Ravens got the ball. After, after Goff drove the team down, they kicked the field goal, go up 17-16. The Ravens had the ball with a minute to go. Do nothing. It's third and 13 on their own 22. 
Jackson gets sacked for six yards. So now it's fourth and 19 on their own 16 with 26 seconds to go. As a miracle as this field goal was, that's the miracle. You're fourth and 19, no timeouts on your 16 with six, 26 to go. So he throws the Sammy Watkins to, to the 48 for 36 yards, and then they spike the ball. Then the, Clearly, they ran another play, and the time ran down from the play clock, so it should have been five yards back. The refs didn't call that. And then 66 yards field goal by the best kicker. I mean, I'd call him GOAT. I mean, he's clearly he's the guy, he should be in the Hall of Fame now. He's the greatest field goal kicker. He's made 50 field goals in a row in fourth quarter of the overtime. He's the greatest kicker of all time. And the record was 64. This is 66. And Tucker hits it, and it, like, goes, and it hits the – I thought he I thought he missed it, but it hit the crossbar and then bounced over. Um, just an amazing kick, and I feel bad for the Lions – and I certainly am not rooting for the Ravens, but Tucker is tremendous. And uh, that was just a, what a what an ending of a game. But I agree with you. I think the Lions, if people, if you're in these uh, suicide game pools with the Lions and think that, oh, they're 0-3, they play hard every game. Like, they're going to win some games because the other team didn't come to play. I totally agree. Totally. And, you know, it's maybe it's nice or uh, it's a good sign that maybe they have a coach that they want to play for in Detroit finally where I feel like they haven't my entire life. Um Keeping up with the fantastic special teams, let's go to Arizona and Jacksonville. So Arizona did win 31-19. Kyler looked good. Jamal Agnew had a 109-yard missed field goal that he ran back for a touchdown. The week prior, Ira, he had a 102-yard kickoff return. He's the first player in NFL history with back-to-back 100-yard touchdowns. Well, let's explain what happened. (laughs) Prater, Matthew Prater did not have a good day because, first of all, he had the record. You were the all-time kicker, and it was Tom Dempsey had the record. I think my entire childhood uh, yeah. for the Saints, and we saw that play a million times. So he had the record forever, but so he had the record. His record was broken. Uh, it was later in the day; it was broken. But he tries a 67-yard field goal, which would have set the record. He soared. But remember Auburn, Alabama, when Alabama at the end of the game it's tied, they try that long field goal and they kick it, and then the Auburn player runs it back. I remember watching that at my friend's house, and there was like 20 kids at the house. Everyone's screaming. Everyone's jumping, and they had all these big dogs. And the dog, as they're running it back, was jumping up so much, knocked me over. (laughs) (laughs) But the... um, but the thing is that once you return a kick like that, it's a free ball if you catch it on the fly. And the offense has the wor- they only have blockers out there. So besides the kicker and the holder, there's no one who really can capture them. So it's really stupid to try these long, super long field goals if you're if you're going to be short like that. And a big mistake uh, from Nick Saban, who said it was the biggest mistake he's ever made as a coach. And then uh, Cliff Kingsbury, another stupid move from Arizona's perspective to try that. But in the end, they beat Jacksonville Lawrence. Through a pick six or later, but I, look, I like. I'm, I'm not as down on Jacksonville as everybody else is. I think they're improving. They finally got the running game going. Lawrence, first of all, only sacked three times, and they got the run game going with 159 yards. So I see improvement for Jacksonville and Urban Meyer. I think it gives it time. Again, I, I don't look at the record. I think they're improving every game. So let's go to the uh, Packers and 49ers and Ira. This one, great game again, and Aaron Rodgers to me looked happier after this win. Than he did after he won the Super Bowl. Maybe just because San Francisco has been a thorn in his heel for for years now. But Packers played good, won thirty to twenty eight. Great game. One thing that's a little concerning: Devonte Adams, eighteen targets. The next highest is four. They really forced the ball to Devonte. We know that as fantasy players. But this could be something down the road. If you have a shutdown corner and you take him out of the game, what are they going to do? But either way, nice win for Green Bay. But the 49ers- 
should have those people. Like, they, they, the 49ers weren't ready for this game. They're down 17 nothing earlier. The Green Bay was running away. They came back, made it 17-14. But then uh, Green Bay's up 24-21. And Jimmy G, I mean, another one of those. You see that? He, 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 they were rushing towards him. He turns around, tries to throw the ball away. It was like a throw fumble. They called it a, a backwards lateral to nobody. And he, they were lucky. They gave you an over right then and there, but Green Bay only kicked a field goal and let San Francisco come back and get the touchdown and take the lead. I mean, that was a mistake on their part. And then Rodgers with 37 seconds to go, you knew what was going to happen. I mean, he just com- completes a pass to Adams and gets set up for a field goal, those things. I mean, you just can't. And, and then I question San Francisco had to know not to leave time on the clock. I mean, they had three timeouts at the end of the game. Terrible. Just a bad game for the 49ers all around. Like everything. They weren't ready at the start. They Garoppolo I thought played average at best. And then the clock manager at the end. This was a game they should have won. Uh that Green Bay was handing it to him. A terrible performance by them. Uh this is a team that people think are going to Super Bowl and I was not impressed at all. So tonight's game I think we're one and one. I think I got you last week um uh picking. But we've got Dallas in Philly. Dallas is uh three and a half point favorites. What do you like tonight? And how do you think this game goes? I love Dallas in this game. Me too. This, um this is the first time that Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott ever met. Uh this is Prescott's first game at home since getting injured. Now Dallas had lost to Tampa barely and then they beat the Chargers by three. Philly killed Atlanta thirty two to six and then lost to San Francisco seventeen eleven. I really I, I, I think this is I think Dallas wins by two, three touchdowns. I think their offense is great. I'm, I'm looking for a big Dallas win today. And, and, and I know it's a great rivalry. It's a great game and everything. But I, I think Dallas's offense is going. I think their defense is improved. And uh, so I, when I look at this game, I think Philadelphia is like below 500 team. And I think Dallas is going to probably win the division. So I, I can't believe it's a three-and-a-half point line. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would have went a little bit higher here. Uh, what are we watching next week? Well, Indianapolis goes against Miami. Indianapolis will win three. Miami needs this win. Indianapolis needs to win. Kansas City is playing at uh, Philadelphia. Again, Kansas City is one and two going after them. This is, these the teams, you know, a lot of these undefeated teams, like, this is like a win. They don't want to go down one and three. A uh, big game is the, in the Western in the NFC, Arizona at the Rams, Seattle at San Francisco. Um, interesting game. Baltimore is going to be at Denver. Denver's 3-0. and I don't believe it. This is a chance like, you know, Baltimore is going to come in. This is really one of those things. Denver wins this game. Maybe they are really good. And then Pittsburgh well, at Green Bay, humongous game for the Steelers. Uh, and, then, and then Vegas plays the Chargers, which will be sort of one of those games, sort of like the Denver-type game, where it's like, how good is Vegas? They're 3-0, but it's really that good. And then the game of the week is, and, and Sunday afternoon is, uh, and Sunday night is uh, Tampa at New England. Uh, this is the Tom Brady return game. I've been reading quotes all day. Brady's saying all the right things. Uh, Belichick's saying all the right things. You're not going to see Brady make any weird comments. I mean, you're going to see their, like, their dad and their trainer or maybe Belichick's golf hitting coach. Someone else, but they themselves are just going to be – they're both – they played together with each other for 20 years. Nothing came out. They never said anything. They're not going to say it now. Uh, they're both professionals, and uh, I think they do honestly respect each other tremendously. So I, if you're looking for – but I do think Tampa goes in there and wins by like two touchdowns. Denver is 3-0 and against teams that are combined to 0-9. <laughs> <laughs> the three teams they've beaten may not win three games all season combined. That's Giants, Jets, and Jags. Um, okay, let's go over to the NCAA. And this was, you were going crazy on Saturday because this was a wild Saturday. On the one, two, on the teams ranked first, second, and third, 
Bama easily win by 40. Georgia beat Vanderbilt 62 nothing. one of the biggest SEC wins ever. Vanderbilt's terrible. Oregon beat Arizona. And then I wanted to just, can we just bring in that Miami beat Central Connecticut State 69 uh, Central Connecticut State is a team that lost to Southern Connecticut State two weeks ago, which is a Division II team, but they didn't get scholarships out. So that just shows you, if you were getting excited that you saw the 69 nothing score, don't get so excited about Miami. And then Florida State lost to Louisville. Um, and uh, Florida State scheduled the rest of the way. They play Syracuse, UNC, Clemson, NC State, Miami, Boston College, Florida, uh, this is a team that could, they might be lucky to go 2-10. Between 1992 and 2000, that's nine years. They only lost 11 games total. They might lose 10 this year. Um, but then uh, what I was excited about this week was uh, that Oklahoma-West Virginia. Oklahoma's favored by 17 points. Spencer Rattler, everyone's saying number one pick of the NFL draft. They only, they, they only won 16-13. They were lucky to get a field goal at the end of the game. West Virginia, again, in college football, some of these underdogs, when you see these 15, 14-point underdogs, in the pros, they'll never win. But in college football, there are some of these underdogs that are heavy underdogs. They're like, I, they could win in West Virginia. Just prove that against uh, Oklahoma. What other games were you uh, watching? Well, Penn State looked great against Villanova, which doesn't mean much. But I, every time <laughs> I watch Sean Clifford play, I, I, I'm more and more impressed with Penn State's quarterback. I just, I, I think he's, he's just improved. He must have practiced so much, looks great. And Iowa won uh, over Colorado State with setting up in two weeks Penn State and Iowa, which is going to be the game of the year in the Big Ten almost so far. Um, Texas A&M, everyone thought they were this team. They were going to go to the playoffs. They were five over, five, favored by five over Arkansas in Jerry's world. But Sam Pittman's the coach of Arkansas. And Arkansas, I'm telling you, is like the, was at the Vanderbilt level of programs. Like beyond Tennessee. Yeah. Terrible. He has turned them around. This is their first now win against Texas A&M in 10 years. Um, Arkansas was up 17 nothing, And he should have won more. I mean, this was not close a game as you, as, as you expected from it. And it was a great win uh, for Arkansas. Considering Jerry Jones was, uh, went to Arkansas, played at Arkansas. He was very happy that Arkansas he was on the field <laughs> celebrating, I think, more than if the Cowboys win. Um, and then the other big upset was Clemson, 11-point favorite against NC State. Uh, interesting that one had lost eight straight games against Clemson, 15 out of 16 games, and uh, they ended up losing 27-21 in two overtimes. This Clemson team is terrible. Uh, they are forget about the playoff. They're gonna they're gonna be lucky to play at any type of goal at all. Uh, they are awful. They have no offense, and now they've lost two Breezy and Skowski, two of the best defenders. Uh, it's gonna be a very long year. And then your team, Tennessee, Florida blew out. Florida looks good. Emory Jones, their quarterback, had 200 yards rushing, uh, passing, 144 yards running, and it's the first time since 2009 uh, since Tebow did that that someone did that. Uh, and then the other big game that I, I was real excited about was Notre Dame-Wisconsin. I didn't understand this game. Notre Dame was a six-point underdog against Wisconsin in Soldier Field. It was 10-10 going into the fourth, and then Notre Dame scored Wisconsin 31-3 to in the fourth quarter. Um, Graham Batts. It, it was interesting to me because Jack Cohn was the quarterback of Wisconsin. He lost his job to Graham Matt, goes to Notre Dame, and then he gets hurt in the game, but he, he led them to the win. So that was, that was good for that. And uh, UNC lost again to Georgia Tech. And then one of the weird games is Auburn. Remember, I saw Penn State Auburn two weeks ago. Great game. Everyone's talking about Auburn. Well, Auburn was losing to Georgia State. Georgia State. And then fourth and nine, TJ Finley scores a touchdown. What I say last week, I said Bo Nix, the quarterback, who people thought was going to be a first round draft pick. I go, he is going to get pulled. And he was. He was pulled by TJ Finley as a quarterback in the game. I just, uh, he, I think he's going to lose his job. And you're seeing all these quarterbacks who people thought were first round draft picks, like 
Taven Slovis for USC, and now Bo Nix. That are I can't even be their first. They're not going to be a first round pick. They're going to be a first round, uh, first on their depth chart of their team. Um, but uh, you know, we can talk a little about what next week's games too. Well, you know, it's funny you had mentioned, and it's kind of true. At least at this point in the season. Who's the who's the big quarterback? You know, this is so far, and not a good year for Pittsburgh if that's what they're in the market for. But you know, obviously last year we we're talking about Trevor Lawrence for three years. Uh, you know, the year before that, Joe Burrow was unknown, but he you know put his put himself ascended to the top. Someone's gonna have to do that this year and become that number one guy because right now it's pretty muddy. And like you said, all the the suspects we thought were gonna be there are just not looking like NFL caliber players. Well, and for the Steelers and for these teams that are like, we don't have a quarterback, that's the problem. Like, again, last year, if you're Jacksonville, you're like, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence. If you're in some of these other teams, oh, we could trade up and we could get Justin Fields. And when there's other, and we could get Zach Wilson. And look at all, and, and Mac Jones started emerging. The, the, the quarterback situation, there's nobody emerging. I mean, I look at these polls, there's a quarterback for Liberty that people are thinking yeah. <laughs> could be potentially good. But it's, it's, it's going to, we have, it, people have talked about, we had all these draft experts that this year was going to be weak in the quarterback. And I said, oh, someone will emerge. But we're halfway, and we're in October now. And, no, and the quarterbacks that we thought were going to be good are getting worse. And just wanted to run, run for next week. Um, India's at Penn State. Penn State's favored by 12. Uh, Ole Miss at Bama. Bama's favored by 15. And I got a game. Boston College is 4-0. They just watched them beat Missouri. Boston College at Clemson. Clemson's giving 15 points. Clemson can't score 15 points. Like, Boston <laughs> College is going to win this game. Bet the money line on this. Boston College is going to beat Clemson. Like, it's just going to happen. And then Arkansas at Georgia. Georgia's favored by 19. Georgia's not going to score 19 points against a good defense like Arkansas. Again, I think Arkansas can beat Georgia, and you're getting 19 points in that game. And then I think Michigan at Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's been overrated all year. I think Michigan's much better. The line is even. I take Michigan in that game. And the big game all weekend is Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is how about this? Cincinnati's favored by two over Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, but this is a chance. This is, Cincinnati's been waiting, I think, 100 years for this game. And uh, this is the game to watch next week is Cincinnati at Notre Dame. It's 7.54. Ira on Sports. True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira, Baseball, the American League, this is about as exciting a last couple of weeks as you could possibly get. Yankees, my Yankees on a roll, won six in a row, uh, swept Boston over the weekend, and they're uh, locking into that uh, top wildcard spot now. But, man, this is anyone's race here. Well, Stanton, Goncano Stanton, we we saw him here in Miami. I mean, he could go three months. Yeah, doesn't hit a home run. And then over a three-week period, he's hitting, like, a home run, it seems like, every at-bat. I mean, if Stanton could, could somehow do this, I mean, he'd be the greatest. He'd be Babe Ruth times 10. I mean, it's amazing. But if you're a Yankee fan, you want him to get hot now. This is when yeah. hot, and don't cool him up. But he just destroyed the Red Sox this weekend. Now the Yankees have taken the, the lead in the wild card. They're, they're, they're eight back behind Tampa. They're one game ahead of Boston and two games ahead against the Blue Jays. But... Two of these three teams are going to get in, and uh, Blue Jays play the Yankees uh, uh, three times in, in Toronto, and then they play Baltimore for three. And the Yanks have three games against Toronto, three against uh, uh, Tampa Bay, and Boston has three, six easy wins against Baltimore, Washington. So, again, my friends that are Yankee fans, I think they're celebrating. They're only up one over Boston and two over the Blue Jays. I'm not ready to concede this to the Yankees. <laughs> they're not going to be one of the teams out of those teams, and it would be Boston and the Blue Jays. You want to know what's scaring me, Ira? The Yankees started selling postseason tickets today. You could buy tickets for the postseason <laughs> that they're not in yet. <laughs> not a good sign. <laughs> what about the NL? 
Um, the Braves, well, what's interesting is the Braves play the Phillies. The Braves are up by two and a half games over the Phillies, and they're uh, playing three games. So this is what you love. It's starting tomorrow, uh, three games, and that's going to be great. So that'll, that'll determine in terms of if the Braves can win the division. Phillies have a chance of the wild card. And the, uh, and the Cards are the second wild card. They won 16 games in a row. Amazing. I mean, there are Brewers in the playoff, Cards the second wild card. But then the question is, can the Dodgers, now the Magic number is five, the Dodgers are two back behind the Giants. The Dodgers could end up winning 103, 104 games, play the Cardinals in the one-game wild card, lose, and the season's over. I mean, that's what they have thrown away this season. The Dodgers are a mess. They, there's, and the Giants are the biggest surprise of all. If they end up winning like 106 wins, 107 wins, uh, you're just waiting for the Giants to lose. And I've been waiting all year, and they just don't. I mean, they just keep winning. So it was, it's the players are shaking up to have some really good teams in this, and especially in the National League. But as a Dodger, I know the Dodger fans are very nervous because you have Wainwright versus Scherzer in, the, uh, in a wild card game, and, and Wainwright can pitch a no hitter. Who knows? <laughs> Let's uh, change it up. Go over to uh, what happened in boxing over the weekend. This weird thing, uh, Alexander Usyk was the cruiserweight champion. He, he challenged Anthony Joshua, who was the heavyweight champion, one of the two heavyweight champions. And usually when they come up, there's been great wins over Holyfield, Roy Jones Jr. Joshua lost again. So Joshua had lost Andy Ruiz in upset, came back and won. Everyone was waiting for Joshua versus Fury in the biggest match in England because Fury is English and Joshua is English. Again, just a terrible loss. I caught the fight. I'm trying to watch all this other stuff that I was you know, big Fox fan watching that. And, and next week, uh, Fury plays, or two weeks from now, Fury fought, fights Wilder for the third fight. They, Fury won the last one. They had a draw the first time. But this totally messes up any Joshua Fury thing. And Usyk, it's a good win for him. And, uh, he might be, you know, a great champion from Ukraine, but it was like Anthony Joshua is one of these people who people thought were going to be like the greatest boxer of all time, and now he has these two upset losses against him, uh, whatever. But the story I watched, the story was UFC because uh, I, I bought two sixty six, and Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz was the most boring fight I've ever seen in my life. Shevchenko, the uh, woman uh, against Murray, was extremely boring. Shevchenko is amazing. I mean, she's just so much better than everyone else. But that Alexander Volkanovs fought against Brian Ortega with the featherweight title. And the third round was out of a movie. People were texting, is this real? Is this fake? Because Volks, it was what a great round. Because Ortega is a challenger. Had Voltanox, Alexander, we'll call him Alexander, he had him in a, in a submission hold like three times. And it looked like Alexander was out. And it was like, like Hulk Hogan, like he somehow got the energy to break out of it three times, came back, won the third round, won the fourth round, won the fifth round. Um, and now he's won 10 UFC fights in a row, the third longest streak, active streak, and a loss since 2013. But it was just that third round for five minutes. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. Great, great match. Let's uh, wrap it up some racing. Um, well... I'll tell you what, the Formula One, we're down to like the, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Matthew Verstappen. Uh, they were racing in Russia. And it was one of those things where Verstappen changed his engine, so he started the back of the field. So no one gave a chance really to win. And Hamilton, but the whole issue was that the rain was coming. And Lando Norris is races for McLaren. McLaren has, is a, you hear the McLaren cars, but for years they really haven't ran and won a race since 2012 until they won two weeks ago. And Lando Norris is this young driver for McLaren. And he's out there, and it starts to rain. 
and Hamilton is right behind him. And they're debating, should they go pit? And if you pit, then you get the better, you get rain tires. Like anybody's driving out there, like if you're snow tires, well, you're in Florida, but the point is, you go and get the snow rain tires on, and the pits were like, you should, maybe we should do it, maybe we shouldn't. And they kept telling Hamilton to do it. And when Hamilton saw that Verstappen was way back in the field, he got the rain tires, he felt like he had to do. So he went in almost conceding the race. Lando Norris from McLaren stayed out there, but it started to really rain, and he was sliding all over the place. He couldn't even stay. He, he like went down at like 10 miles an hour trying to stay, and then everyone started passing him. He finally pitted. So if he would have lasted like two more laps, like if the rain would have held off, he would have won the race, but he ended up finishing seventh. Hamilton ends up winning the race, and Verstappen actually came back and, uh, uh, and uh, finished second. Is uh, second to Hamilton, but Hamilton took the lead in overall points. But it was like one of very exciting because you're like you could hear them telling him in the box, like Hamilton is like, you must pit, you must pit, and then at the last second he goes into the pits and uh, and pits to get the rain tires in. Uh, and then in the NASCAR race, uh, Denny Hamlin beat Chase Elliott in Vegas. Uh, Kyle Larson is still first, and Hamlin second in the uh, in the, in the uh, playoff chase. So, Ira, have you decided yet? I mean, I think you were down between uh, going to see, I think it was Pittsburgh and Minnesota, or going to see Tom Brady return to New England. Did you make a decision up yet? Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Um, yeah, well, did you uh, decide? Well, I think, look, I mean, this past week, sort of evident, as much as you want to see Ben versus Aaron, rematch of the Super Bowl, rematch of, like, the worst loss we've had, is it, I just think that I, I, it, it's, it's, it, it doesn't appear like that. I mean, it, first of all, I would just think that the game is just not going to be that good. The Steelers have shown no indication that they could play with this Green Bay team. Uh, and, I'm not, and I'm a huge Steelers fan and everything, but it, this is history. I mean, Tampa and uh, coming Brady going back to New England, I've seen so many great Steeler games there. I, I think I'm leaning towards that. I'll go to the Penn State Indiana game and then drive up to that. So that's why I'm sort of leaning towards that game. But as much as I would love to see the Steelers in Lambeau, it just seems to me if, if the Steelers were 3-0 and the Packers were 3-0, but where the Steelers are headed right now is not a good place. And, and I don't know anyone. I mean, I'm the biggest Steelers fan in the world, but I'm not looking – with the offensive line they have and the defense with all the injuries, they are going to get destroyed. I mean, they could lose this game 40 to 7 or something crazy. <laughs> to no, I'm with you. As of last week, I, I was on the Steelers, but I've changed my mind after seeing this past game. I do not blame you. We are out of time, though. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.